Rise and shine, Mr. Freeman. Rise and shine. Welcome to the very first episode of Mouse and Joystick for the year of 2017. I'm your moderator, Luden Kyle. Joined by always my co-host, Luden Cube, and I am the Big No. Welcome each and every one of you to the show. How are you doing this fine evening? Doing fantastic. Not too bad. Excellent. Uh, Michael, anything new and exciting happened in your life since the last time we did a show? Um, not that I can think of. Not really. Didn't have a very exciting New Year's, I take it? <clears throat> um, I don't remember New Year's too much. But not re- <laughs> so I don't think so. So it must have been good. Uh, sure. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, how about you know? Anything uh, super exciting happened in your life? Uh, not too much. Just been living day by day. Understandable, understandable. I would just like to say that I went to the movie theaters the other day, saw an M. Night Shyamalan movie, and it didn't suck. <laughs> so that's something. Which one? Uh, Split. Starring uh, James McAvoy. Oh, uh, uh, yeah. I really wanted to see that. I would recommend it. It's a good movie. Does uh, it have the Shyamalan twist? Kind of. Like, it's not the kind. The twist is, it's not a very Shyamalan like twist. <laughs> So okay. he's twisting you with a twist. He's twisting you with a twist. But it's still it's still a pretty satisfying movie. Um like I'm not really big into that genre really, but like super intense and really kind of creepy atmosphere, so I was kind of just like glued to the edge of my seat the whole movie was it was good stuff. Would recommend seeing it. Anyway, we're not here to talk about movies. We're here to talk about video games and specifically all the cool stuff that we can look forward to in the year of 2017. It is the end of January. In fact, it's the 31st of January as we record this. Um, So we're in a sense going to be previewing the next 11 months or so. Although it's kind of hard to do that because a lot of quarter, third quarter and fourth quarter stuff has not been announced. It's just kind of speculated. So, We'll just be kind of discussing what we know so far and maybe speculating on some other things. Um, but before we before we get into previewing what's going to happen this year, um, let's do let's talk about some of the things that we do know for sure or uh, news that's already been announced. Um, getting some of the bad stuff out of the way first. Um, we recently got the news of the passing of Messiah Nakamura, who is the founder of Bandai Namco. And the reason why this is kind of a big deal is because he was basically one of the people that was partially responsible anyway for the creation of Pac-Man. So I get you could say one of the few remaining gaming icons from that era has was passed passed away recently and so um uh if you want to, you know, maybe do some more research and look into some other accomplishments he helped Bandai Namco 
to achieve throughout his lifetime. That's something I'd recommend. He, uh, it's a pretty big part in the early development of video games and what they eventually ended up becoming today. And then, um, maybe not as sad, but another in memoriam I'd like to just throw out there is the cancellation, the cancellation of Scalebound. The uh, Platinum Games developed Microsoft exclusive with the, uh, I guess you say the angsty teenager riding dragons <laughs> and weird stuff. Edgelord. Edgelord dragon rider Aragon spinoff. I don't know. Um... <laughs> I don't know how what everyone, how everyone feels about it, but personally, I was not really excited for Scalebound. Um, I'm more upset just because the cancellation of this project and the kind of rep, rep, the repercussions it may have on Microsoft and Platinum as companies. I'm not so upset about the game itself, though. Uh, I don't know how you, how do you guys feel about that that news coming out? I don't know. <clears throat> I. Uh... Like first look, it looked promising, but then when we got some more of the gameplay, it didn't actually. Um, so it definitely would have been a game I would have waited till it came out and saw how it how it went before I bought it. So mm -hmm. I am super disappointed, but I'm just mildly disappointed that they would cancel it. You know, that far into a for our development cycle. Hey, yeah, I mean, they, they had the game playable, I think, at Gamescom it was. Uh, when you get to the point where you're, like, hosting demo events and having people come up and actually just straight up play the game, you must be pretty far into development at that time, especially since I think at one point it had a 2016 release date. Don't quote me on that, but yeah, I, think, I think it did. because they pushed it back, I believe, early 2016. Mm-hmm. Right, so, I mean, as far as the actual game goes, I was not super impressed by what I saw, but this was supposed to be one of the big upcoming Microsoft exclusives for their Xbox and, by extension, Windows 10 push. Uh, so, with that out of the way, though, it's like if Sony lost their Horizon Zero Dawn. It's like, that, that just doesn't exist anymore. So... Yeah, I'm kind of concerned now because uh, that's one potentially big exclusive that Microsoft doesn't have anymore that they can kind of boast about and try to help push more units out. Uh, so yeah, I don't know why or what maybe like some funding didn't come through or for a game they were. It's honestly they were looking for, but it's honestly really hard to say. I don't think either. Companies really putting the blame on anyone in particular. They're they're both kind of just been they're kind of both just like, yep, it it just didn't work out. So we uh, we both decided to just part ways. Um, but yeah, so the, um, maybe someday it will be reincarnated in some form. But uh, for the foreseeable future, Scalebound is going to be resting in. Peace, I suppose you guys say. I don't know if it's it was peaceful or not, but we won't be hearing from that for a while, I predict. Um, another news: um, apparently, a script for the Uncharted movie was completed, which means they're going to start moving further into the production of that. I had no idea that that was even a thing. I, I guess it is. 
Daniel Craig, maybe? Huh? He'd actually <laughs> be a pretty decent Nathan Drake, I'm not going to lie. Not great, but pretty decent. I, I think everyone's favorite or fan favorite casting choice would be uh, Nolan North for that role, but I don't know. I guess I guess we'll see. I don't know how they would choose to go about marketing an Uncharted movie if it ever did come to the light. Plus, there's this whole stigmata that the uh, movie video game movies just aren't good, especially with like recent attempts such as Assassin's Creed not really doing well at the box office or critically. Still have not seen that, but I want to. I think it'll be a pretty entertaining popcorn Netflix kind of thing one day, but I don't want to bother going out to the movie theater to see that, unfortunately. Spend money on it. (laughs) We're what's wrong with this industry, okay? To sit here (laughs) saying, give me more free stuff. Come on, give me more free stuff. Give it to me. I have to drive there, not to pay for it. The, is the movie theater going to compensate me on my gas? <laughs> oh, come on. Yeah, if it's a bad movie, why don't they just give me my money back? <laughs> I, I'm not going to the not going to the Ahmed's movie card after. Ahmed's card. <laughs> yeah, so that's uh, apparently going to be a thing. I don't know how fast they're going to be moving to the process, but. I mean, depending on how the script goes, they may decide to keep it and start pushing uh, casting and getting the director on board and all that. So I guess we'll, I guess we'll see. It could be a thing in a couple years. Who knows? Uh, all right, moving on to more game-related information now. Uh, Dark Souls 3, The Ring City. It's uh, the upcoming second expansion or ex- second piece of DLC for Dark Souls 3 has been announced for a March 28th release date. And this one seems a lot more focused on the single-player aspect or the player-versus-environment and less on the player-versus-player that the uh, the first expansion was. As a uh, Dark Souls fan, I am super jazzed and happy to see this. Same. <laughs> so I did like the other DLC, um, but I, I was a little disappointed that it was more for pvp because i was never one to play much pvp in dark souls because i i don't know i was just never that into it and every time i tried it it didn't go end well so <laughs> well clearly you just gotta get good son i know i know <laughs> but no i'm not i'm not a huge fan of the uh dark souls pvp either so this one seems more up my alley i still do plan on playing through the, uh, the other expansions soon but uh I feel, I feel like I got a little bit of time. I don't have to rush to it until maybe March sometime. So, well, I guess well, we'll be talking about that more in the future. Uh, other game-related news. We have um, Overwatch did its, uh, has a big event going on for the Chinese New Year. And one of the big highlights of that update was the addition, at least for, temporarily, of a capture the flag mode for um, the Overwatch brawls. Um, I haven't had a chance to play this yet, but... I'm pretty happy to see classic game on the Catch the Flag getting some loves, especially since it seems to be quite neglected in modern shooters. Titanfall had it, but I don't know how popular it is. It doesn't seem like many people are playing it, but super cool to see that. So um, good work on Blizzard continuing to update one of their biggest hits to date. Uh, okay, Obsidian. 
uh, after, I guess, months of teasing, have finally announced a Pillars of Eternity 2 called Pillars of Eternity 2 Deadfire. They did it through the Kickstarter-like funding site called Fig, and it appears it has already surpassed its goal because at the uh, the time of recording it's at 167 percent of its goal so um unless something catastrophic happens you're most likely going to be seeing a pillars of eternity 2 hitting steam and other retailers probably next year i don't know what their anticipated release date is um but yeah most likely that's coming out I had never played the first Pillars of Eternity, but I know a lot of people that are fans of the classic RPGs swear by the the series. So cool for them. Not necessarily my cup of tea, but cool for them. Uh, and then other RPG related news. Um, the previously PlayStation exclusive series Nino Kuni has an upcoming sequel called Nino Kuni 2 Revenant Kingdom. And it's actually announced that we'll also be getting a release on Steam in addition to PlayStation 4. So that was kind of unexpected that a Sony exclusive is also getting a PC release now all of a sudden. I don't think that that only has that ever happened before. I mean, I'm sure it has, but this is Paragon. Paragon, I guess I guess you could say that. Oh, I didn't know Paragon was PS4 exclusive. I mean, it was made by Epic, but it's on PS4. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I don't know if I've heard of it. There's an Xbox version or not. I don't think there is. I don't think they're planning on it either. Sorry, Xbox One players. <laughs> so, yeah, that's a that's a thing. Um, another game announcement is um, Dirt 4 got announced. I don't know too much about the Dirt series. Do either of you two... Have either of you two played Dirt before? Uh, yeah, I had Dirt 3. Um, for my Xbox 360 back in the day. But no, I like the series. Um, Fast-paced, ba- good balance between arcade and simulator. Okay. Uh, always, always look good. And it's a lot of like uh, off-roading or country kind of environments, correct? Yeah, okay. mostly. And then a little bit of like uh, Kana, which is kind of like stunting. Okay, that sounds pretty cool. Yeah, so um, definitely keep an eye on that. Seems pretty promising. Don't know if they have a release date for that yet either. I probably should have done more research. Coming in June. It's coming out June this year. There we go. I found it. Uh, last piece of news is um, Square Enix announced a partnership of sort with Marvel. And the first game in this uh, deal that they have going on is uh, simply titled The Avengers Project. Now, not much is known about the Avengers project. Just a little bit of teasing, like uh, some of the characters and they're going to be in the game. I heard some people speculating it might be like a Diablo-like game set in the Marvel Universe, but I haven't seen any evidence of that. I think it's uh, mostly speculation at this point. It's being di- it's being created by uh, Crystal Dynamics, though, which um, I think most people would know them by the Tomb Raider series now. The recent Tomb Raider reboots. So uh, that'll be a weird combination with superheroes. <laughs> yeah, the whole thing's like Square Enix publishing with Crystal Dynamics to release Avengers. Okay. <laughs> I, I never thought Maybe. I'd hear that before. <laughs> um, Hopefully, you know. Yeah. Uh, 
they don't have a release date for this, but I anticipate this is my bold claim, but I, I'm anticipating that they'll release it sometime next year before the upcoming Avengers movie. Call me crazy to predict that, but that's my prediction. Well, unfortunately, whenever they release a game and a movie about the same things, not necessarily for like about the same certain events, but like with the same universe slash characters, mm-hmm. people always think that they're tied together. So they may do that, but I bet a lot of people are going to be like, "Why is this? Is this game for the movie?" And then, we'll yeah. see. Because I think uh, the Avengers Infinity War Part 1 comes out Fox, November 2018. Uh, so they could maybe p- p- uh, have a target goal of like summer for this game. Maybe springtime. So, uh, I don't know. We'll see. Since we don't really know what kind of game it is, it's hard to really get excited. But uh, for those who are huge fans of the Marvel series, uh, there's more games coming out for that. So, uh, that's cool. Good, good stuff. And uh, that's well. That that would be most of the news that we had for January, except um, the twelfth of January, Nintendo decided to have a big all event. They brought their new console, the Switch, on stage and decided to have a little show and reveal a whole bunch of details about that. Um, so I guess we're gonna just kind of go through some of what was shown and revealed at the Nintendo Switch event. And maybe give our thoughts on it. Um, the, th- big, the big thing from that, I guess you could say, was that the Switch is going to be launching on March 3rd. It's a very sudden and kind of very close release date, in my opinion. Um, yeah, so they announced the release date of the console less than two months out from when it was actually going to be dropping. Like a, like a month and a half, something like that. And then they also announced a... Retail price of $299, or essentially $300. Not too far out of what I originally expected, but I guess we'll get into that a little bit more here in a second. Um, There is going to be an online service that is more feature-packed than the Wii U, but will become a paid service starting in the fall, much in the same way that PlayStation and Xbox Live are now paid services. Of course. Yep. Um, another kind of oddity about the Switch is the fact that voice chat capabilities were not being native to the console itself. Instead, uh, for like online voice chatting and matchmaking stuff, apparently that's going to be happening on a smartphone app that they're going to release. I, Sounds <laughs> odd. It's a very Nintendo thing to do. <laughs> <laughs> um, if it works well, it'll. I don't know. It just sounds like I'm, I'm you gonna, have to have a phone. I'm just gonna also. say this right now: the, the fact that they want me to pay, like, was it maybe five dollars a month or something, to use their online voice chat on the app, when I could just I don't know use my phone to call the person, or yeah, you, you or use the Skype app, phone. use the Skype app. Huh? I mean, you could still hook up a like a headset to the phone and use that, like you would. I, don't know, I just kind of, feel like that's it's kind of weird. A weird thing. I don't. I haven't seen too many positive reactions to that, so I hope that they come out soon with more details or like maybe change something about it. But like, if the 
the way it's sounding happens, I'm I don't think many people are going to be a fan of it. Why can't you just plug a headset into the actual thing? <laughs> That's a good question. I mean, it has a 3.5 millimeter headphone jack. I'm pretty sure. Uh, okay, and in better news, better news, they did announce that region locking will no longer be a thing with the Switch, which has plagued previous Nintendo consoles very badly, where certain games will only get released in Japan and will never make it overseas. And even if you did import them, they wouldn't run on your region-locked console because they were created for a Japanese console, stuff like that. That's going away. Um, as far as, like, region, again, stuff specifically for certain regions, you know, maybe a Japanese release game will still only feature Japanese voice and dialogue and stuff like that, but it will still run on your American Switch. So that that's, that's cool. That's a good move in the right direction. When I... I almost didn't expect Nintendo to do, uh, but it, it's definitely a good move. More options for your customer base. Uh, they did show a bit of the Switch running in the three different modes it has available. Uh, first one being TV mode, which is trip console. You got your tabletop mode where you set it up like a portable TV and use the little Joy-Cons on the side as individual remotes. And then there's the handheld mode, which... I think is going to be one of the more key defining uh, ways of playing the Switch there. Um, they did say that the estimated battery life of the Switch is going to be about three to six hours, depending on the games you're playing, which I take as most AAA 3D games will probably last on the shorter end around three hours. Uh, so take that how you will. Keep in mind, though, that the Switch does have USB-C functionality. So basically any standard car charger should work with it. Or any standard phone charger should work with it, in theory. And I think a lot of people keep those with them at like old times nowadays. Yeah, I wonder how much, if you carry around one of those like portable chargers, I wonder how like fast it'll eat through that. That's a good point. I don't know how the Switch battery is going to compare to a cell phone battery, but I think most people will be able to carry a charger on them, so the battery life may not be as big as an issue as it initially sounds. But, yeah, the idea that like you have this tablet device and it's only going to ask me, it's only going to last maybe like four hours when you could get like an iPad, which, you know, if you're traveling, an iPad will last you maybe 20 hours or more, maybe. I, I'm not a professional when it comes to battery life, but I don't think it's as bad as people are, are making it out to be. Uh, okay, and they did also say that it is possible to link up to eight switches together at once. So <laughs> if you have eight friends that all have their own switch, you can all bring your switches to a party and have a ginormous Mario Kart Fiesta. Just an idea. A lot of money in one room. <laughs> Nintendo's like, oh, baby, bring it on. Do it. <laughs> um, the Joy-Con controllers being one of the more unique things about the uh, the new console uh, there is going to be a screenshot button on the controller with uh, video recording functionality being added later from what I understand uh, so for those like sharing stuff there's there you go the Switch 
and my extension of the controllers do come in different colors. So far, the confirmed options are a set of gray controllers, or you can get a neon set, which will come with one red and one blue Joy-Con controller. But the uh, the wrist the, the wrist straps will still be uh, coming standard with those, like they were the Wii. So if you hated those, I'm sorry, I'm sorry to hear that. Uh, and one of the big new kind of uh, surprising features was the HD Rumble being built into each Joy-Con controller. They uh, kind of advertise it as a more advanced uh, Rumble technology, even to the point of saying that, like, if you have a Joy-Con next to your head and you're just kind of shaking it, it'll feel like an actual glass of water with ice cubes in it. I don't really understand that, but I'm like, okay, maybe it's one of those things you have to experience to really understand. I don't know. <laughs> a glass of water? Yeah, like th- during the presentation, he held up the Joy-Con controller. It's like it's like having a cup of ice, and when you shake it, it feels like there's actual ice cubes in it. I'm like, okay, <laughs> that's a weird analogy. I've never really heard of. <laughs> it's like how much? I don't know if I want to hear things move when I shake a controller. <laughs> it's like how much is this uh, raising the price of the console? That's what I want to know. I guess it's not right. really in the console. It's more in the controllers. Um. But yeah, uh, as far as uh, the prices go, the accessories for the Switch seem awfully high to me. Like a Pro Controller, just kind of your standard f- form of controller, is actually $70. Whereas I think, I think the other companies are marketing theirs for like, what, 50 40 Something like that? Oh, it's still no. 60 Still 60 for controllers now? Jesus. I mean, c- controllers were always expensive, and it's still ridiculous. The, I, I can understand why the PS4 controller is that much because it has the screen on it and it has a speaker in it and it has, you know, touch technology. Xbox One controllers are just controllers, wireless controllers. <laughs> and, uh, but that's that just seems a lot for the... But Michael, like, the Pro Controller has HD Rumble. Xbox oh. One controllers said about 40 $40. Yeah, they, I, I thought they were a little cheaper because I got my custom Xbox 360 controller for 60 or something like that. Yeah, if you get like Microsoft brand basic wireless controller, it's like 40 maybe $50. Okay. If you get off brand, it's like 30 for 30 20 And then if you get like uh, obviously the Elite or like a custom one, it's like 60 70 Good old Mad Cats. Yeah, so, I mean, we don't really know the full extent that the Pro Controller is going to work, but it's going to be $70 if you want that on day one for Zelda or whatever. Um, as far as the actual, like, Joy-Cons, the, the uniqueness that they kind of create the Switch, in my opinion, uh, the Joy-Cons themselves are really expensive. A set of the two, you know, the left and the right one, is $80. Oh, my God. But if you just want an individual one, like say you lose the right one somehow and you want to get a new right Joy-Con, that's fifty dollars for that teeny, that teeny tiny little thing. I could easily see one of them becoming broken and the other one not being broken and it becoming a problem. Hey, at least then you get to uh, mix and match colors and create your own unique combinations. Am I right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, does it work? You got to collect them all. Does it work like that? Do they 
can you connect any right one with any left one? Yes. Okay. So I'm sure people will be trying to collect limited edition Joy-Cons to create all sorts of unique combinations. Meanwhile, Nintendo's going to be rolling in the money for that one. But uh, let's get into some of the, the games that they showed at the event. Because uh, at the end of the day, even though the hardware is really nice, I think uh, the games are what's going to be the, the selling point for a Nintendo machine. Uh, they started off showcasing their their tech demo collection, I guess you could say, called 1-2-Switch, showing a variety of rather odd minigames, I guess you could say, uh, showcasing some of the technology that the Joy-Cons can bring to the table. I'm still kind of disturbed that one of the minigames is milking a cow. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So, like, you take the Joy-Con controller and you do, like, a... uh, this weird hand movement where you're like moving the joy kind of up and down kind of slowly, but you're like also kind of squeezing your hands in a certain way on the sensor on the side to simulate you like milk in a cow's udder. Like, okay. The, Wii already had a bunch of like sexual innuendo and all this stuff you could do. <laughs> <laughs> this is just <laughs> taking it like five <laughs> steps farther. Holy crap. That's just disturbing. I mean, <laughs> What the heck? But Michael, what are we going to do with all that milk? I, why do you need to milk a cow virtually? Like, Do you see a real I cow in your living room? Is this going to be like a new, like, are they going to get like a farm game on this where you like literally have to tend to all the animals? You have to milk the cows and like oh, just you wait, rush all the horses. Just wait until Stardew Valley for the Switch. It's going to blow you away. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, then you have to milk the goats and it got to milk the goats and the cows. And then you got to go get the pig truffles. <laughs> you got to turn the butter and you got to turn it. You got to turn it into cheese and my arms getting so sore just thinking about it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, it really just wants you to work for it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I think they said that all in all, there's going to be about 24 mini games in this bundle. Don't quote me on that. Um, Which, I guess it's a pretty decent a, amount. Yeah. I mean, it's a bit less. I, it's less than they were giving at the beginning when they first sold the Wii. But you got like Wii Sports for free. Um, I, I think yeah. that had like, what, like, Six or seven different sports on it. Wii Sports? I think it was five. Maybe it was six. I can't remember. It's been years since I opened up Wii Sports. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, but the, uh, the biggest flaw I'm seeing with the Switch, or well, 1-2 Switch anyway, is um the fact that its tech demo minigame collection, like Wii Sports... Uh, is not actually going to be included with the console itself. Oh, no. It's a standalone $50 game. Oh, jeez. For, like, five minigames? Well, I mean, there, there's over 20, apparently. But still. But if they are they're all, all, like, milking cows, I don't think I want that. <laughs> yeah, the problem is, I think they're all multiplayer, like, split-screen kind of games. I don't think you can play it single-player. This is like a multiplayer exclusive $50 minigame bundle. 
just to showcase the what the switch can do. So basically, something nice to keep the display cases all full and warm. I would just like to say though, one two switch would be an incredible game to bring out at a party where there's drinking involved. <laughs> I mean, especially if you're milking the cow. It's just hearing all this with multiplayer and all this stuff they like are advertising is surprising that they're not giving you they're giving you one controller which is normal with a con but the fact that they're pricing their other controllers so steep oh, technically they're giving you two con they're giving you two controllers in the box which controllers the the joy cons come with a left and a right so i mean if you're playing a single player game you can combine them to make a standard ish controller but you can split them apart into the tiny little ones and hold them on the side, which technically still have full functionality of a controller. Oh, okay. I thought you had to use both sides. No, not necessarily. But again, like I wouldn't want to force someone to be like, here, use this tiny little <laughs> thing and crimp your hands. Yeah. This thing that's like half the size of a Wiimote. <laughs> Probably smaller than a nunchuck. I think it's about the same size of a nunchuck, I think. Like, if you just hold it in your hand, it's about the size of your hand, but trying to, like, hold it sideways and put both hands on it, it's going to be kind of hard. This is going to be more awkward than trying to play the Kinect when it first came out. Oh, God. <laughs> Kinect version <laughs> 1.0. Uh, so, yeah, moving on from 1-2 uh, Switch, we have a new game called ARMS. It's a... I guess you can kind of say it's like a spiritual successor to Wii Boxing, in a way. It works kind of similar, where it's uh, the two people in an arena, and you're kind of just like uh, going around each other and throwing up punches from range due to the, like the springy arms and the fun characters that are in the game. But there's there's a little bit more involved. There's like blocking and stuff like that. So uh, it seems like a pretty cool uh, two-player fighting game. I don't know how much traction it's going to get because it too is also like a full price $60 game and no one really knows how much content is actually going to be on that game. If it's literally just like the fight, the one to be one fighting mode or if there's going to be like a story, no one really knows at the moment. It'd be, it'd be worth getting if it had like a story like, um, uh, what was it? Is it punch out or knockout? That uh, box yeah, Punch-Out, yeah. If it's like a successor to Punch-Out, that'd be cool. Yeah. That one has potential to be really good, but it's a big uh, question mark in the, at the moment for me. Uh, then the next game they showed was Splatoon 2. I haven't played Splatoon 1. I don't know if either of you two have. It looked more like more the same, except maybe one or two new weapons. And it is going to have a new story mode, so that's that's good. But, um, yeah, I'm not sure how much is actually going to be changing from Splatoon 1, but if it's uh, as good as Splatoon 1, though, it should be one of those must-own titles for the Switch when it comes out in the summer. Uh, I think probably the biggest surprise, actually, of the whole event was when uh, they revealed this next game called Super Mario Odyssey. For a 2017 holiday release time, did you two both see um, the little like trailer gameplay trailer that they showed for Super Mario Odyssey? Yeah, I saw the trailer. Yeah, I'm I'm confused. Why is Mario 
a very disproportionately weird-looking human compared to everyone else. I, I don't know. I really, after seeing this, I just hope they don't take it on like a journey, like a journey through the Sonic type thing that Sonic went through. Like <laughs> it's, it's Sonic, Sonic 06. Oh no! Oh god! We've come. Full if that circle. happens, it didn't look like it was that bad. But you know, honestly. Um, it looks like a really good Mario game. Like they keep they kept saying this is a sandbox Mario game and it's gonna harken back to the days of Super Mario sixty four and Super Mario Sunshine. Which it, it, yeah. Those are like my two favorite Mario games, so I'm like, okay, I'm on board. Yeah, I'll play it. I'll I'll probably play the sh- crap out of this. <laughs> It'll look if it if it does everything that they're saying. Sorry, my cat's being a dick. Yeah. Um uh, if it does everything that they're saying, I think that it'll be great. Hope, like, but I mean, never you can never really tell too much from a trailer. And all I noticed from the trailer was that there's real-looking people in there, and Mario does not look like one of them. And <laughs> I just hope you're not in New York for too long. <laughs> my my favorite thing is probably that opening shot where Mario comes out of the uh, the sewer. And he's just like walking around New York City and just kind of showing around. And then all the comments I was reading at the time were like, oh my god, it's Grand Theft Mario. <laughs> That's sort of what I was thinking at the beginning, too. It's like, what is this? Am I watching a modded version of Grand Theft Auto right now? Like, what's going on? But no, it looks really hoping I'm going to steal a car. <laughs> <laughs> the princess is in trouble. Give me that. <laughs> I got to go save her from. Pimp Bowser. Oh yeah, Pimp Bowser. <laughs> it's better than Cat Bowser. Don't get me started on that. All <laughs> uh, right, and then um, so yeah, that's gonna be probably the Nintendo's big holiday release. It'll probably sell like hotcakes, especially considering how well the the Switch pre-orders are going right now. Um, just a side note, this thing has been sold out since like the hour after it, the pre-orders were released. Really? Yeah. To the extent where I think like a week ago, Amazon got the neon switches back in stock for a little while. They sold out again. At, in, I think it was seven minutes. Holy crap. So yeah, the switch is selling very quickly right now. Um, Good luck getting your hands on one if you haven't pre-ordered. I managed to get a pre-order in on the last day they were available. And I was thinking to myself, man, if you don't pre-order this thing, you're not going to get it until like May or June. They're going to be sold out for a while. Uh, Yeah, so moving on from uh, Mario, classic Mario, classic Nintendo. um, They started showing off some of their more like third-party-ish games, I guess you could say. Uh, so they had a reveal trailer for Xenoblade Chronicles 2. Uh, big open world JRPG kind of game. Uh, I don't know if you guys are familiar with uh, Xenoblade Chronicles 1 or Xenoblade Chronicles X, was it, that came out last year? They seem like pretty pretty solid action-y RPG kind of games. Lots of open world collecting, so it seems kind of my alley. I might be moderately interested in Chronicles 2 when it comes out, whenever it comes out. Uh, Square Enix kind of announced a upcoming 
untitled game called Project Octopath Traveler. It's more of a working title. It's not really the final name, I, I would imagine. Um, so there's that to look forward to if you're like the classic Final Fantasy-like games, like the original ones, the first four, I think. First four Final Fantasies. It looked kind of like that. Um, then they had a representative from Sega come out just saying that Sega's currently working on a multitude of titles that will be revealed in the future. Uh, Todd Howard from Bethesda had a little clip where he came out and was uh, talking about how that he was excited for Skyrim to be coming out on the Nintendo Switch. And I think that's actually not supposed to be coming out until the fall sometime. So it's still got a little bit of a wait until you can play um, Skyrim on the, the toilet there. <laughs> the dream. <laughs> the dream. Darn. <laughs> All right. And then uh, they had uh, Suda51 come out on stage. Pretty, pretty uh, prominent game developer figure there came out and said that he wants to bring the uh, the character from no more heroes back he didn't say if it was like a no more heroes 3 or if it would be some sort of spin-off title but he's working on a switch title of some sort um so representative some ea came out and said that they were going to be bring some of their biggest sports franchises to the switch as well i'm assuming that means fifa at the very least but maybe madden as well who knows so like the classics will still be there everything that you would expect to sell well uh, and then finally, well, not quite finally, but the last game that they showed at the event was that uh, The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild, probably one of the most anticipated Legend of Zelda games of all time, will be a game that is available on day one for the Switch. It'll be coming out on March 3rd. And that, for me, is the biggest reason why I decided to get a Switch in the first place. Because I don't have a Wii U to play this game, so I need a Switch to play the game instead. Oh, it is coming on the Wii U? They did confirm it is coming on the Wii U, and I think it's coming out within the same, around the same time as well. So if you were only going to get a Switch for Legend of Zelda, but you already have a Wii U, it's probably not worth it. Yeah. I. Um, did they say how much longer they'll be releasing stuff for the Wii U? Because I heard that they were they wanted to be... I think they wanted to move on, right? Yeah, I think they've already ceased development on new Wii U consoles. And I heard a rumor that Legend of Zelda might actually be the last game released for the Wii U, but there'll probably be something else that comes out in the summer. I wouldn't expect the new Wii U titles around holiday time though. Um so yeah, like wow. right like right now, everything that's out for the Wii U is probably all the Wii U is gonna get. At least uh, up until the time Zelda releases. Good enough for me. <laughs> Good enough for you. The Wii U, over the years, has had a great number of releases. I don't want to knock that console at all. It had a rough launch, but at the end of the day, though, if you went and picked one up, you got a solid library to play from right there. Uh, last bit of information. Okay, go ahead. Sorry. I was just going to say one of the biggest Mario breakthroughs in a long time. The Mario Maker. Oh yeah! Everyone, everyone loved Mario Maker. I was so close to getting a Wii U just for Mario Maker. <laughs> the idea of just like infinite Mario levels was like super appealing. I was so tempted, except uh, for the sadistic people who create impossible levels. I mean, yeah, that that's partially a problem. But I've, I heard it's a lot better nowadays. There's not as many of those levels. There, uh, people are getting better about rating levels and the. 
those kind of levels are not getting through the filter as often for like the hundred live challenge and stuff like that. <laughs> so that, that's good. Good job, community. You're, you've done it. <laughs> if they, yeah, if they announced a Super Mario Maker for the Switch, the fact that I could play infinite number of Mario levels no matter where I'm at, count me in. I I would guess that that's pr- they're probably gonna release it. Maybe uh, Super Mario here too but hopefully the first one I'm guessing that they, they are, but they're not going to announce it yet. Cause they still want to see how many people buy a Wii U for it. That's my guess. And then, okay. Yeah. So one last bit of information about the switch before we really get into, uh, some of the positive and negatives of the event. Um, it was said after the event that the switch will support micro SD cards up to two terabytes in size. So for those that were going to buy a terabyte SD card, I mean, they don't even make them past 500 gigabytes yet, do they? I have no idea. I think you can get terabyte cards, but they're not the micro variety. Just like SD cards go up to a a terabyte. Yes. So (laughs) to the internet. But yeah, so um, it is said that the switch only has an internal memory of like 32 gigabytes which is kind of small. It's actually very small. Um, but yeah, if you can, you know, go and buy a micro SD card, like 250 gigabytes or something like that, pop that open. That's a, uh, won't be too bad, especially since I don't expect switch games to be as large in size as like uh PlayStation games or the PC games. I think uh legend of Zelda breath of the wild only takes up about 12 gigabytes of uh, data. Something like that. And, yeah, yeah. So it's not not huge, but yeah, it's nice to see that um, Nintendo, of all people, like in the past, they've been as bad as Apple when it comes to proprietary accessories and charger cables and stuff like that. They're opening up their platform to industry standard devices and accessories. Like I think the Switch is supposed to have USB three ports on the back. It supports micro SD cards. It supports standard headphone jacks, uh, USB C type for charging. Uh, this will be a device that's very accessible because it will already work with most things you have around your house. I feel like. All right. So I think that's a, that's enough of the switch discussion there. Um, let's move on into, let's move on to previewing 2017. And what we can expect from games and certain hardware releases. I thought it'd be kind of fun if we uh, kind of use like a the idea of an alignment chart to kind of throw what we think may or may not be the general location of where a game's going to be in our minds at the end of the year. Um, so like for those that don't know alignment charts, it's like the, the Dungeons and Dragons scene where there's like the lawful good, the neutral good, chaotic good. And then you kind of keep going down until you get all the way down to chaotic evil. To represent different personalities. Well, not just personalities, but just kind of like general level of morality. Um, we're not going to be doing it exactly like that, but like if you viewed it as an example of a lawful game, is one that's well received. Well, I guess technically like good should be that, but too late now. <laughs> okay. <laughs> a lawful game is one that's well received by fans and critics alike, whereas if it's chaotic, it's not necessarily well received by either. Uh, a good game 
has more influence over the industry and you can expect to see other games maybe copying it in the future whereas an evil game has less influence and it's very forgettable and bland for example um so like starting over here like we have a in front of us we have kind of a list of some of the more notable game releases that would be happening in 2017 um, I'd like to start with one that we already know quite a bit about because it's already released as of the time of this recording, and that's Resident Evil 7. I do have a spot. I think it fits on the list, and no, it's not even the evil section at all. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the game is evil, and it's Resident. It's a Resident Evil um, game, but it's not evil. I was going to say... I'm gonna, uh, oh, sorry, hear, hear my argument out. I'm going to say that Resident Evil 7 is actually a lawfully good game. Same. I agree. I um, think it's it's we know for a fact because it's already happened, but it's being well received by critics and fans, and I think it's going to have a lot of influence over the rest of the game and industry in the future just because it is the first AAA game that really propels and really focuses on having a quality virtual reality experience. And not only just yeah. that, but even if you're playing it in a standard format with a controller, it is still one of the most polished and well-made horror games in the past few years. Yes. I, I put this up on a level with Until Dawn, for sure. And it still um, keeps to, keeps true to the Resident Evil franchise. And if you've ever played the first Resident Evil, you'll see a lot of... Um, a lot of throwbacks. I guess, yeah. Little nods. For sure. It's, it's a very good game. Like Kyle said, the VR in this um, is amazing. And if you can, if you think you can withstand the VR um, horror game, then for sure do. And, I mean, even, I think a lot of people have said that they, this is the first VR that felt real. Mm-hmm. So I think we're in agreement that Resident Evil 7 is actually lawfully good. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, from here on out, where do you want you guys want to move on this? Do you want to move down the lawful tier tree, or do you want to move uh, through the good side? Doesn't matter to me. No, anyway. Okay. Um, let's go. Let's let's stick at the top here and talk about a neutral good game. So. This kind of like in relation to where it compares to Resident Evil 7. A game that we could put here, um, after this is all speculation, because Resident Evil 7 is the only one we really know because it's already been out. Um, but, like, for example, a neutrally good game in comparison would be one that is quite influential and it either its genre or what it's going to do for the industry. But maybe it's not going to be quite as well received critically or commercially by people as resident evil seven so yeah do you have something in mind that could be kind of influential but maybe we'll have mixed opinions on it at first glance um without looking too hard at our list i think for honor fits that Mm -hmm. um just because the game looks amazing it's very innovative in the way combat happens but Ubisoft with their multiplayer is just bad, so it's it can't be like amazingly good. Like this game could be really good if the multiplayer worked better, and it, there's other balancing issues. But 
This game looks amazing. It plays pretty well since I've played the beta. I know a decent amount. And I think that it doesn't deserve the lawful good because it's not perfect. And there are a lot of things, there are some changes that need to be made, but I think it fits that, that area. I can't disagree with that. Um, I do have uh, a nod I would like to mention. I think another suitable candidate for this slot, we can put both of them there, but um, just an idea. Like I think maybe you could put the Nintendo Switch here. The console itself. I think it will be pretty influential in the way that future handheld devices are going to be created. Maybe even future consoles. But I don't know if it's going to be like well received across the board. I think there will be some people out there that are going to dislike it because it's Nintendo or dislike it because of one thing or another. But then there will still be those out there that really do like it a lot. And it's going to have its pretty hardcore fan base at the end of the day. I don't know. I feel like everybody's switching away from dedicated hardware. Everybody has their own devices now. Mm-hmm. But um, outside the Nintendo ecosystem and all their customers, I, I feel like dedicated hardware is going to be going though. All right. Yep. That's my personal opinion. I think I, think I agree with Kyle that Nintendo's taking um, a little bit of a leap, and I think it'll be received well. Um, but it also, like Noah said, consoles are uh, they're they're dying a bit. And I mean, maybe this will bring more people back to it. I guess we can see. We'll see. Um, I did like that. Like Nintendo, whenever they come out with new things. They want it to be new, like new, new. They don't try to copy other people most of most of the time, but um, and the Switch is definitely something new for sure. Um, do you think so it's going to be? Think, do you think it's going to be that influential though, or do you think it's going to be uh, not quite as much? Do you think it's just going to be mainly uh, stuck in the Nintendo ecosystem and not really spread out to other aspects? Um, well, as we've noticed. Um, other than motion controls, uh, PlayStation and Xbox sort of like to ignore Nintendo, mm-hmm. <laughs> like they're almost not there. Right. Um. So I don't think I don't think it'll influence them. I think right now PlayStation and Xbox are going to be VR. That's that's their that's their thing right now. That's what they want to get everyone. They want to get everyone on really good HD things and VR. I don't think they're going to blink an eye at what Nintendo's really doing. Hmm. Unless it makes a ton of money. <laughs> that I could see, change their minds. <laughs> I see what you're saying. I think, um, am I right in, in sensing that we're maybe leaning towards For Honor for being our neutrally good game? Yeah. I, I mean, we have a long list. I think we can have multiple things. In the- Easily. I'm just, I just don't know how influential For Honor is eventually going to end up being in the long run, but, but hard to say. A lot of this is speculation on our part, so we can say whatever we want. It, it does kind of borrow a lot of DNA from like MOBAs and uh, kind of chivalry chunks. It, yeah, it took from a lot of different games and it made it a very unique 
so far, and I, I don't know. It maybe there'll be more people that like take from it, but that that could make great games. I hope so, <laughs> because it's a good game. It could be made better. Type of genre that I wanted more. You know, people, there's not too many of those, uh, like PvP, uh, medieval sword fighting games. Right. So, do you want to want to put both of those options there, or do you think uh, one stands out more than the other? Um. Because both I'm, will work. <laughs> both will work. Okay. So we will say that both For Honor and the Switch I don't know. will be... It's just kind of hard. I don't know if it's like the inner nihilist in me, but it's just like... Understandable. I, I, like We we really don't know how things are going to end up panning out. Um, but let's, um, let's move on to the, the last good section here. So this would be a game that may not be received well, maybe straight up negatively, more mixed, so... We, something like that but despite that we'll still have some amount of influence over everything else and this could be don't shoot me go go for it but i want to say call of duty has a chance to be in that slot okay just because a lot of games in the past have borrowed characteristics from Call of Duty. I agree. I think... I don't know if we put it in the... It might be a neutral as far as influence goes, but it might just be like a standard kind of thing. The game you compare a game to. Mm -hmm. I just have the question, because Call of Duty has been a bit on the decline, especially with Infinite Warfare. And I don't know how excited people are going to be for the 2017 Call of Duty from Sledgehammer. They were teasing that it's going to be a game that takes place in the 20th century, so it's not a futuristic shooter, possibly. could be something completely different. Um, some people are saying that maybe it's even like a kind of weird uh, steampunky kind of thing, but I don't know if they'd go that far. I would say, though, if that ended up being the case, so I could see it being pretty influential, even if it's not well-received. I'd say graphics uh, is really um, has nothing to do with it. I just want to say, like, a lot of the game mechanics they've used have kind of been. I know they borrowed some, but they've really made them popular. Mm-hmm. As far as smaller um, things like kill streaks and perks and a progression system for unlocking things towards weapons and stuff like that isn't mutually exclusive to them, but they've definitely been an industry standard. They popularized it for sure. Like if you release a first person shooter that does not have those features, you're considered lacking. You're considered or you bare bones. Something, you better have something somewhere else in your game that makes it better mm-hmm. or fills the gap. That's what people are expecting almost. I don't really disagree with uh, saying Call of Duty could fill that that slot. Like, I feel bad putting it in an influential spot, but 
that that's the industry that we're in right now. I just can't not think about it. Um, I was, and it's kind of like I'd say fifty fifty on people liking it and not liking it, and I. I want to say for games that get released, usually bad would be 50% is bad because usually if it's above 50% and you don't like it, it's usually not released or you don't hear about it. So Right. I can agree with those statements. Uh, do you have any other anything else you'd like to add, Michael? I don't think so. I mean, I can't. I sort of want them to be, sort of want Call of Duty to be the chaotic neutral, but <laughs> I can't think of a game that is going to fit the chaotic good much better. Mm-hmm. The way I justified it is that the majority of game, like I'd say, largest group of gamers, apart from the casual like mobile gamers, is probably like first person shooters. Like when I'm comparing it with the other ones on the list, I'm seeing fighting games and like adventure games, you know, like it's really hard to compare between genres and how influential they are in their own genres. So I just went basically basically off the size, maybe it might be influencing, so it might be influencing the most people out of the other games. Mm-hmm. So that's kinda why I pushed it up to the I well, think it's my Not vote. That gets good. my vote there. Okay. So for our first role here, we have uh, a well-received influential game will be Resident Evil 7. So it was less well-received game that could still have a lot of uh, industry impact. It's kind of a tie between For Honor and the Switch. And then for a game that may not be well-received at all, maybe very mixed, but will still probably have influence over the industry because it's setting standards that exist to this day is uh, 2017's Call of Duty. And then moving on to our next uh, next uh, role here. We have... Got a good one for this. Okay. We have a lawful neutral game, which would be a game that will probably be well-received, but maybe won't really be influencing other games other companies much it's just going to come out and kind of do its thing and people are going to make yep that's a that's a game that everyone should be playing i want to i want to hear what you want to say what you're going to say now this may now that i think about it more may need to go maybe to more towards neutral or maybe i don't know i was thinking halo wars 2 would fit this okay because I think it's going to be a good game, but I don't think it'll influence other games because RTSs are already like normally mm-hmm. a lot bigger and more demanding than this game is going to be. I think that there's not too many people that are going to like look at this and inf- to influence them towards making a different game of it. Or I think that RTSs are already above and beyond this, so I don't think it'll influence any more. Right. Mm-hmm. It is kind of unique, though, because it 
correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it's the first RTS that started on a console and is now moving to a PC platform. Yeah. It's the most standout one for me, unless there was a, like a Tom Clancy one that did that. I'm not sure, though. There there might have been. Mm. Uh, I see what you're saying, but um, I kind of have a hard time putting an RTS in, outside of the evil row, unless it was going to be bringing that genre back into the mainstream. And I don't know if Halo Wars 2 is going to be that game that makes RTSs popular again. Like I almost feel like the game to do that would be like a like a StarCraft three, or if somehow they created a RTS game out of uh, I don't know what else some other really popular franchise. I don't know if Halo Wars is going to be that game, but I'd love to hear um, see if you guys were uh, feeling strongly about the position of that on uh, lawful neutral. I think it should go to lawful evil. I mean, because we, we all think it's going to be a really good game unless they really mess it up from the first one. But like you and I said, probably not going to influence anything. Like maybe, like even comparing it to everything else on the list though, like do you think it's going to be scoring up in the nines or do you think it's going to be down in the sevens or eights? Well, let's define. For us, uh, probably better. But for everyone else, but it's neutral. Not. Like it's not going to influence. I mean, yeah, in a, it's just kind of more. Or it's, it's kind of more in just relation to the other games on the the box. Not necessarily how the critics are going to be rating it. Just be like, yeah, like if we want to talk about a game that's going to be pretty influential, maybe not super amount of it, but like, but well received. I I would almost say that maybe Red Dead Redemption Two goes here. I don't know how I don't know how like groundbreaking that's going to be, but it's going to come out and probably be a very well received game. It's going to be something people are going to be talking about for a while, and it may have one or two things here that other open world games are going to be. Like, hey, we should probably be doing that instead of what we were doing here. But I don't know if it's going to be like, oh my god, this is like where open world cowboy shooters become the new big thing. You could also argue. Of Thieves, like mm. a number of the fighting games on here. I think mm-hmm. if we put any fighting games in here, I think they'd all probably be in the evil section because yeah. most of the time they aren't that well received because fighting games don't attract everyone. But also, well, know, I think the evil is, not- I mean, the like lawful, neutral, and chaotic are if they're good or bad, right? Not if they're popular. Um, is that what it is? Or is if it... Pop, popular, if popularity it has a little bit to do with it. I feel like, like I feel like if a game know, is drawing discussion fight. for a while, it's, it's worthy of being more lawful than not. Because comparatively, you know, fighting game fans aren't... Um, you know, aren't larger than first-person shooter fans, so obviously they're going to have a smaller fan base, but they might like it more than, you know, the new shooter. That's perfectly valid, yeah. Um, but yeah, as far as the fighting games, though, um, I think probably the two biggest ones we have here are Injustice 2 and Tekken 7. Um, I could see Injustice 2 
causing a bit of a stir. Um, from what I've heard of fighting game players, this is one they're actually quite looking forward to, especially since it fixes most of the flaws that they had with the previous Injustice game. And it's still got a lot of mainstream popularity due to the fact that it's based off DC comic book characters. Everyone knows who Batman and Superman are. And it has a fully-fledged single-player mode, which is a big selling point for a lot of people that are a fan of fighting games, even. I'm sure, like, end of the day, most of them are there probably for the multiplayer component, but the single-player is still a big draw for a lot of fighting game fans. And Injustice 2 seems like it's going to be the big fighting game that people are going to be playing until maybe a new Mortal Kombat comes out in a year or two. I don't know. I don't know. Either one would be fine. Uh, Red Dead or Halo Wars. I think that fighting game. I think Red Dead would fit. Red Dead for sure is going to at least be one of the spots on that section. At least, if nothing else, it'll look good. (laughs) Yeah. You think um, anything else... Can I also share that spot with Red Dead Redemption too? No. Maybe, maybe Horizon Zero Dawn. Because like, if we're gonna put Red Dead Redemption two in there, automatically you gotta be like, okay, even if this has about as much influence as Red Dead Redemption two does in the industry, is it gonna be like as well received by fans and critics? And I anticipate Red Dead Redemption 2, if it follows standard Rockstar formula, it's probably just going to be well-received and sell really well, and this is going to be a really popular game that everyone has. Yeah. And I don't know if you can really compare Halo Wars 2 or Injustice 2 to like the level of a Rockstar release game. I, I think the only other one that would fit that genre would probably be Horizon Zero Dawn. Or... Or maybe even um, Mass Effect Andromeda. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's just hard because, like Mass Effect, you don't really know what is in there. It's just like all it is is new Mass Effect. So you base it off the previous ones, which were good, but you no. Know, like, yeah, this could potentially be a Mass Effect. Mass Effect is probably. Gonna, like the new one's gonna be good mm-hmm. we're just and I mean I, I hope and wish it'd have more influence on others because all of the Mass Effect games are awesome um, but as we've noticed um, with recent space games <laughs> they uh, they don't take too much from Mass Effect who did space pretty well so I think of one of those I mean, um, oddballs that so far, everything I've seen of Mass Effect and Drama does not actually have me that excited. It actually seems kind of bland. I feel like they just focus too much on, like... Uh, scenery and the aesthetics of it. I mean, yeah, it looks like a looks like a really pretty game. But I'm just... The story... Moderately, but, I mean, moderately interesting, really but like, yeah, that much, so. it's hard to say because it's a big RPG kind of game, and there's a lot there that they don't want to spoil necessarily. And in a in a story focused game like that, maybe that could make the whole experience. But it's hard; it's really hard to say. I'd almost rather not say for sure where it's going to land on the list because that's 
the biggest question mark coming into this year for me, mess up like Andromeda that is. It could be absolutely amazing and I wouldn't be surprised, but it could be a big turd and I also would not be surprised. Um, but yeah, since we've already kind of talked a bit about it, um, for neutral, do you think maybe Injustice 2 and Halo Wars 2 share a spot there? They're both pretty influential in their own genres, and they but they may not be end up being as good as Red Dead Redemption 2 could be. Yeah, I, I think in their own genres they'll be weaved pretty pretty well. I mean, yeah, like those genres are not very widespread or very mainstream, but like for fighting game fans, Justice 2 is a big deal, and for RTS fans, Halo Wars 2 is pretty decent big deal as well so i i feel pretty comfortable putting both of those there anybody disagree no i think it's a solid pick okay all right so injustice and halo wars 2 was your spots for both being kind of a big deal in their own genre and probably being moderately well received in the process. Uh, Chaotic Neutral. I think this is going to be one of the harder ones to pick. This will be a game that may be mixed or negatively received, and only have very moderate, uh, very moderate influence over everything else. Uh, it's kind of one of those situations where, yeah, like either a game's really bad that no one tries to replicate it, and that's how they change it. Or a game is still kind of mixed, but they do some really cool things here or there, and that influences it. But if you're kind of just straddling the line, you don't really get noticed. I want to say solid contender would be Project Scorpio. Okay. That's interesting. Because I think Xbox is trending down, especially with rumors of them ending the franchise after Scorpio. You don't think uh, people are going to be excited about a 4K console in the Scorpio? No, no. Um, it's just weird because like this will be the last one, so like you're kind of incentivized not to get it, but incentivized to get it at the same time because it'll be affordable 4K box ish. Like, oh, I'll get this, but then how long will it be supported for, and what can it run, and what software will it play on? Mm-hmm. So, like, I don't know. A lot of people hate on Xbox. But it could be a new industry standard for, dare I say, 4K TVs. Mm-hmm. All right. But I wouldn't say it's super revolutionary because there's a whole bunch of other things like Steam machines and NVIDIA shields. may not be able to do 4K, but I've offered what a console can do at a fraction of the cost. And so I say it's not super influential, but it's also not not doing anything at the same time because it is bringing 4K to a hopefully sub $750 price range. Hopefully. Yeah, kind of just speculating on the, the Scorpio. It's really hard when we don't have any idea what the specs are going to be other than the fact it's like, what, four and a half teraflops or something like that? But it doesn't really mean anything. It really doesn't. Um. 
it's it all it's all about how you utilize the the power that you have that really would define whether or not this Which, console is going to be a big hit or not. I don't know if you've heard about the new Xbox or the Windows gaming app, but I've heard it's improving game performance. Oh, really? Yeah, it's on Insider's edition of Windows, I believe. Okay. The side note. I don't know if that's like a precursor for the Scorpio. I am making a note to go look into that a little bit more after this. Okay. It will get you in trouble with Battleye until they update it, so watch out, people. Ah, uh, okay. Good to know. <laughs> avoid avoid games of Battleye. But no, no not really. Yeah, I, I feel like... Um, I think that's a, it's a solid pick. It's kind of uh, looking out here at other possibilities. Um, no, I think I think it's a good pick. I don't I don't necessarily disagree with it either. Uh, did you have uh, anything else that stood out to you, Michael? I don't think so. I think probably a good pick for that spot. Um, bit of a hard time finding the next row. Yeah, it kind of hurts me to say that Scorpio may not be critically or commercially well received, but it kind of is what it is right now. It's unfortunate. So, uh, yeah, moving on to that last row, though. A lawful evil game, which would be something that is well-received, but doesn't really have any influence over anything else. It just comes out, people are like, yes, that's a good game. And then maybe it's quickly forgotten, even if it has good reviews. I mean, I'm, we've seen it happen before. But is there anything in particular that stood out to you? Like, that's a game that I may be looking really forward to for like a weekend, but then I'm probably going to forget about and not bother playing for a while. Um, Cuphead. A 2D platformer in the style of like 20s, 30s cartoons. But it's a hard, hardcore platformer. Mm, maybe, maybe. It's hard to judge how how well received that's going to be at first. It's one I'm looking forward to personally. I'm probably going to pick that up. I just don't know how everyone else is going to react to it. I remember seeing a lot, kind of a little bit of excitement for it when it was announced, like, what, two years ago? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'll throw one out there. Um, Neo. So far, from what I've seen and heard from other people, this is a game that everyone's super jazzed about. And they're like super excited. They can't wait to play it. Some people are even saying that the beta that they played for this game last year would have been their game of the year had it been an option for them. At the same time, though, it's one of those games where, because of the way the mechanics and everything are, I don't necessarily see it being the next Dark Souls in terms of like mainstream popularity. I think it's just going to come out, be a very well-reviewed and received games, and it's going to tide people over for a, maybe a week or more. And then after that, they're probably just going to start moving on to other games, and I don't know how many people are going to go back and play it again. I can see it. Yeah. I like was thinking... One of those sleeper 
sleeper games. It's gonna be a sleeper hit, yeah. I was thinking of uh, State of Decay too. Okay. Because I I did like the first one. Um, I think that it's a generally good zombie game, especially for people who have um, uh, who have PC and can easily get it. I'm pretty sure it's came out on console too eventually, but uh, I think that it's probably going to be a game where you play for a while and then you sort of forget about it for sure. Uh, Plus, the the whole zombie thing is uh, already a little overdone at this point. I don't, I don't know if it'd necessarily be able to, to reignite the spark of excitement people have for zombie sh- games, but it could still come out and be a well-received game, no doubt about it. Um, but was there? Uh, so now that we've uh, thrown a couple of different options out there, was there anything that maybe you're leaning towards more now than you were a few minutes ago? We have Cuphead. Neo and State of Decay 2. Um, I don't know. I feel like Neo would be more game that you'd probably play all the way through if you started out, unless you don't like it. True. Yeah. One of those, if it's like a Dark Souls game, it's something that you sort of like want to beat. You have that sense of like, you know, I want to win. In this type of game, um, do you think it's going to review well these games though? Uh, probably since it's um, more of a Japanese style game, they don't get much advertisement in general. Um, I think I think it's going to get decent reviews from those who play it, like people. I don't <laughs> know about critics because. I don't trust critics too much, but... Fair enough. Um, but yeah, I think it's one of those games you play for a while, instead of just... If you liked it, that is. I mean, if you don't like it, then you probably will just play it once and never again. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I feel um, decent and comfortable with uh, all the picks we had there. I wouldn't um, disagree with uh, moving any of them to a different slot. I think with that, uh, we will insert them there now. Um, while I'm doing that, though, did you have any um, any idea for what we could put for neutral evil? Something that will be perhaps rather un- in- not influential, but uh, maybe still have kind of a niche group of people that, that are, are a fan of it. Once we get Probably. down here, it's uh, it's really hard to pick stuff. Yeah. <laughs> uh, maybe. <laughs> maybe the Dawn of War could fit. Okay. You don't think Dawn of War is going to like rejuvenate the RTS genre or anything like that? No, probably not. Um, I was going to say maybe Prey. 
Maybe. That's another big question mark I have. Like they're kind of like could, ooh, mysterious. Freaking. Yeah, it could be really good or yeah. It's kind of like a Mass Effect for me. I'm like, I want to like it. I don't know if I will, and I don't know if it's going to have some extraordinary thing that I'm going to be thinking about after I'm done with the game. It could be cool. Who knows? See the Telltale game, Guardian of the Galaxy. Telltale's usually like pretty middle ground. Maybe. I almost feel like you could just put like almost everything else on this list in the slot, and it would it'd work. Except for I think the one that needs to go in the last one would probably be uh, Metal Gear Metal Gear Survive. Ooh, <laughs> yeah, ooh, I like I like it. <laughs> Not well received. They have no influence whatsoever. Because or at least we, we can all hope. Uh, choice for them, but I'm not. I'm not even going to ask if you guys are okay with it. I'm putting Metal Gear Survive as chaotic evil, or maybe even in neutral evil. Put um the rumored Destiny sequel because oh, um mean put, that it can be influential a tiny bit, but it definitely has its niche of people. You're saying the a possible Destiny two for neutral evil? Yeah. Okay, maybe. I mean, um, there is definitely a group of people that when they played this game and when they played The Division were, like, hooked. And they played it to, like, to the area where, uh, I mean, where Bungie was hoping they would, to where, like, everyone would get hooked. But it would, I think it received a lot less people than they were. It's a little bit harder when you're not riding around, writing about Master Chief. <laughs> Well, and it, it they ask for so much of your time, and I don't know. I think I think that it's it it definitely has its niche, though. I don't think it'll mm-hmm. influence much more. I feel like another good choice for this one is also um, the new Star Wars Battlefront game. <laughs> this isn't the one made by. It's dice again, I think. Okay, because there's the other Star Wars game coming out by um... Visceral. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Is it? I I think it's Visceral. But... I thought it was someone who made um, who made the. I mean, to be fair, there's like three Star Wars games or more being made right now. Right. Because I think uh, Respawn's also working on a Star Wars project. Yeah, Respawn was the one. People who make uh, Titanfall, I yeah. Um, I don't think Visceral's or Respawn's games are due until at least 2018. I think we're getting a new Battlefront this year, though. Yay! Um, but yeah, I could see that being a game where, um, you know, maybe Star Wars fans will get it and play and be like, "Oh yeah, this is pretty cool. I like it." But it's not going to like reinvent the first-person shooter genre or the. It's not going to be the the Call of Duty killer or anything like that. Kind of felt the first one left a bad taste in everybody's mouth. Oh, for sure. It did for me, yeah. I figured this one wouldn't be. I mean, actually, now that I think about it, that's almost more of a chaotic evil kind of thing. It'd probably be up there with Metal Gear. I mean, I think we, like you said, 
like almost every other game could fit in this area because there there are a lot of unique They're games all... that are yeah. it's and then that aren't going to get the attention they deserve there's probably going to be a lot that could be good there's going to be some that are going to fall short yeah to me there's a lot of games that are moderately good but they're not going to be like, oh yeah, this is one for the game of the year list. And it's not like, oh, this is going to change the way other games in this genre or other way other games on this platform are played. Yeah. So like, I don't, um, I almost don't want to put anything here just because there's so many different things we could put because almost everything fits. You just yeah. put the rest of the list there. <laughs> the rest of the list. And then I think after, um, since this is basically done, I think we should do a couple honorable mentions. Right, games that... that probably could could have fit in spots, but we're definitely looking we, forward. We kind of just yeah, we just kind of glossed over them at first. Um, yeah. uh, upcoming or yeah, upcoming yeah. yeah. Okay. It's like I, I got Horizon one. Zero. Yeah. Okay. Tell All me. Right. What, tell me. Tell me about Horizon. I'm gonna hear what you want to say. Oh, um, I think uh, no matter where it fits, it's gonna fit somewhere. Um, obviously. <laughs> uh, but I think that this game looks amazing so far um uh as much as it's getting a lot of um press right now i know that there's a lot of advertisement out for it right now Mm -hmm. um the game looks amazing and the the whole dinosaur type robots and it's also like you know the future past and everything all all that all together and you're using a bow is an awesome combination, and I feel like this game is going to be amazing. Um, I heard a lot of people talking about it. Um, ex- ex- the groups of people that actually like pay attention to games, uh, the people that don't know too much about games, haven't really been looking at it. But I, mean, I feel like fair. this game is going to be up there. It's a new IP. It's a Sony exclusive, so yeah, it may not be on yeah. everyone's mind. But um, yeah, I think uh, yeah, Horizon Zero Dawn is definitely one of the bigger games that are coming out this year. Um, it is a new IP, so we don't really have anything to base it off of, especially since previously Guerrilla Games were making the first-person shooters Killzone, and those were moderately good, but now they're switching to like a third-person open-world RPG kind of thing, which is like completely different, so I don't know how it's going to compare. Um, I do have an honorable mention I like to throw out there. Um, have either of you played... Donkey Kong 64 or Banjo-Kazooie on the Nintendo 64? I played um, Banjo-Kazooie, but not on the Nintendo 64. Okay, maybe I didn't need to specify the platform, but if you played either of those two, you'd be happy to hear that a spiritual successor to that kind of game is coming out in April with a little title called Ukulele. And it's and that's what it is. It's a 3D platformer with a nice cartoony art style all about collecting lots of things and solving the puzzles and stuff like that. So it's got me super jazzed because I grew up playing games like Banjo-Kazooie and Donkey Kong 64 for hours and hours. And all I want to do now is sit down and play a very similar game. And it's even made by uh, members of the original rare team that made those same games. So it's like the same people making a successor to those games. Wow. So that's my honorable mention. I think it has the potential to uh, rejuvenate a tired genre and maybe have a lot of nostalgia 
fill people buy into it and try to live relive some of their childhood at the same time uh any other honorable mentions you guys wanted to throw out there about um red dead to didn't say anything about south park which which <laughs> honestly i have no idea where that would fit but um south park yeah if you've played the first one this one's gonna be that but better because they redid the whole um fighting systems and mm-hmm. everything and it's south park it's really like playing the south park show except for they are allowed to cuss and allowed to be a lot more vulgar <laughs> sexual and it's a times but it's out it's south park and it's awesome um i really enjoyed uh south park the sick of truth so i'm looking forward to this sequel i'm just hoping it doesn't end up getting like a bad release window where it's kind of caught up in other big releases and people kind of gloss over it because of that that's that's my my fear with that um it's ubisoft yes count on anything then well Fortunately, with this, um, it's not multiplayer. They, Ubisoft can't mess it up too much. <laughs> and from what it looked like with the first one, um, it I don't know what ver- like group from Ubisoft did it, but the first one was amazing. And if the same, and it's the same people doing the second one, um, so I, I feel like gonna be just as good because the. I'm pretty sure it didn't have many problems with, um, you know, the port to PC um, and all that with that Ubisoft normally has problems with. Right. Yeah, I'm I'm hopeful for that game. Um, speaking of Ubisoft, I have another one I want to ask you guys about because I think we kind of just glanced over it at first. Um, Ghost Recon Wildlands. Where are you guys feeling? A lot of potential. Uh, cause it's kind of what I, what I'm personifying it to be is ghost recon or not ghost recon, but rainbow six, but open world tactical shooter. Okay. Yeah. I can see some of the mechanics carry over and you get a whole, you know, area to play around with. I'm a little thrown off by the way they presented a game where they're like on the stage playing the multiplayer game and they're using the obviously fake voice comms and stuff. Uh, but yeah, yeah the, t- cool. just the idea of like, yeah, the open world kind of tactical military shooter where you um, work together and complete objectives sounds kind of cool. It could very easily end up being bad at the same time. Plus, it's Ubisoft doing a multiplayer focused game. So there's a big question mark because of that. How much do you want to rely on Uplay for your experience? You have a very Arma 3-ish vibe. Maybe. But not obviously not as in-depth, but see if they can get there. It's also really hard because it's uh, releasing at a pretty busy time of the year, too. Uh, it's like what a couple of days after the Switch comes out, around the time Mass Effect and other games come out. So I guess I guess we'll see. Uh, but I think it has a potential to make a stand and become something that people will be talking about for a bit of a time after that. I think so, and I mean it looked good. 
Um, Could this be the next Rainbow Six Siege? It looked like a really good open world, which I was surprised um, coming from the genre and Ubisoft. Because they did the uh, Far Cry series, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes, it did. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if they just took a Far Cry map and like retextured it. You have me moderately I mean, interested that's, now. That's what they did with the Far Cry games from one to the other, basically. <laughs> Wait, are we talking about Assassin's Creed now? Now I'm kind of worried. Um, it's just, <laughs> now I'm worried that it's going to be a Far Cry with multiple. A third person it Far didn't Cry. Look game. like Far Cry. Um, now I'm worried that it's just the same engine in the same <laughs> game. Just three I don't. Oh no! I don't. Think it looks like. I'm pretty sure people from a different group from Ubisoft works on the, um, the uh, Tom Clancy game specifically, or the Ghost Recon game specifically uh just looking on the network drive and they see a thing labeled far cry and like hey guys hey <laughs> yeah. we, we can you we can use these assets <laughs> uh that scares me but, okay. <laughs> i guess we'll be uh keeping a close eye on that when we get a bit closer to the release dates here um anything else on this list here that you want to mention before we uh move on I don't think so. I think it's I mean, we'll probably pro- a good time. I mean, yeah, as we, uh, as we move on through the year, we'll be uh, probably mentioning most of these again. Oh, yeah. So we will we'll be, go over we'll be covering them in some capacity at some points. All right, then. Uh, since we've um, kind of already gone through and previewed everything coming up in 2017 here, um, let's take a step back and kind of talk a bit about what we've been uh, playing or watching lately. Uh, I know uh, you, Michael, have been particularly busy when it comes to finishing up your backlog of games here. Um, But before we get to that, I want to hear your thoughts on the For Honor beta, because I know you've been playing a bit of that the past couple days. I was lucky lucky enough to get into this beta. Um, I know um, there were people that applied and actually didn't get in, even though it seemed like a lot of people got in. like I said earlier, uh, I, I played a decent amount, and that I I basically said what I thought about the game. It's uh, graphically awesome. It looks amazing, exactly what you'd want um, in this type of game. And like the maps for the Vikings and the Knights and the Samurai all look amazing. The characters, although you could only there was only three characters from each faction in the beta. I know there's at least two more for every single one, I'm pretty sure. I was going to say, I thought there was um, at least four for each faction. Yeah, there's at least like four or five. Okay. Um, uh, the multiplayer in this, uh, Ubisoft sort of stumbled a bit. Hmm. Um, as they normally do, but they're, uh, they made it really hard to get into a game. There were glitches to where you'd just be stuck at the loading screen forever if you wanted to play certain game modes um but there were also other parts of it that went off without a hitch and like you could play just fine um except for there were bugs when you would try to use controller and like you get disconnected or something like that controls would get messed up your character couldn't do certain things and it was just super buggy for a beta and for a game that comes out on the 14th of this month well february yeah, it comes out uh, two weeks from now, yeah. Yeah. I uh, I was a bit surprised at how buggy it was. 
Um, I actually got pretty frustrated at this game. I'm not necessarily bad. I'm not necessarily good either. But um, it did seem like some people's colors or some people's controls reacted faster um, than your my own controls. Even though, like, I know I was I was pushing this button or this analog stick this way or that way about the same time or at least faster than or even faster than the other guy but it wouldn't switch or it wouldn't do this so playing 1v1s or 2v2s got frustrating because i was doing the right things but still taking the hits and dying so i mean fixed all this i think i could definitely like this game um it's not a game that I would play forever. I think I'd definitely play through the single player once or twice. Mm-hmm. But multiplayer, I think I'd do occasionally, every now and then, when I feel bored. Um, I don't think it's something that would keep me like there forever, just for the multiplayer of it. The aspect of it is cool that you um, actually win territories for your uh, faction um, by playing the multiplayer. And if you win, you get to send more troops to a certain area, and then you can win that area, and you get points. It's a really cool idea. Um, okay. But we'll see if it's executed well enough on the 14th. Yeah, For Honor was one of the more interesting concepts I've seen in a game lately. Even if, Maybe not completely original, but uh, the, the execution of it seemed like it could be a very promising game. Um, I'm a bit disappointed to hear that maybe the Unlike opponent of the game, it's not up to snuff or where it should be at the moment, especially considering the game's already being like sent out for release practically at this point. So it may need a couple of patches before it's really um, reaching its potential. Um, do you see? Do you think there's any possibility of a long-term future for this game? Like, do you think there could be a potential esports scene that comes from this? Um, I don't think a very big one. Okay, maybe a little bit. One because there is that sense of one v oneing people, almost like there is from like Smash Bro, uh, Super Smash Bros, and stuff like that. But um, I don't think it's refined enough. It could be. I I could be wrong. It could be huge in the esports, but I don't think I, I don't think it's going to go very far personally. All right then, going to be uh, keeping an eye on that, especially with the the full release coming out next month here. Uh, Michael, tell me about Final Fantasy Fifteen. Is is this your is this your first Final Fantasy game? Yes. Yeah. All right. You have entered a world that many consider sacred, and I want to hear what your experiences were like with this. Yeah, I knew nothing, almost nothing, other than it's a Japanese style game, and it's a sort of anime style, um, not completely, but definitely has aspects of it. Um, uh, first thoughts are this game is absolutely beautiful, and really like like engaging and enveloping, and like it totally hooked me as soon as I started playing it, and I loved it. Um, unfortunately, I did not beat the game because I was only renting it from Redbox because um, I wanted to see whether or not I actually would like this, mm-hmm. um, which I did. I I really liked the game, and I'm either going to pick it up or rent it to get on Redbox to finish it. Um, and I was, you know, the lore behind it um, really wanted, 
like got me into thinking and maybe even wanting to play other Final Fantasies or at least read into the lore. Really awesome, um, the fa- the fantasy aspect of it, and the fighting in this game is really unique. Um, to to I know it's a a lot like the other Final Fantasies, but it's unique to its own. Uh, it, it stands like, on its own. You don't need the other ones to play it. Yeah, and I heard that this is a good game that if you've never played one, to jump in at here if you want. Um, but if you really want to know the story, obviously play the other one. I'm not sure what order to go in because I mean that's a whole another um, can of worms right there. Yeah, this game though, uh, amazingly beautiful. Uh, I mean, honestly, if you're thinking about picking it up or at least trying it, I suggest trying it because you're probably gonna like it. Hmm. I had this one. I'm. Uh, I was on the fence with this one for. For a while, and I think I'll put it on my uh, my wish list and maybe pick it up sometime if I can find a good deal. It seems like a pretty good value for the amount of time you'll spend in it. Because I've heard some people say that, like, yeah, it's pretty consistently good until like maybe the end, but like for the most part, you're gonna get a lot of hours of good content out of this. Oh yeah, you will. And like you're any other RPG style game, you're gonna put a lot of. Okay. Um. Another a game that you did end up actually uh, finishing over the the past couple weeks or so was um watch underscore dogs or just just watch dogs if you want to go with that <laughs> uh, Ubisoft's attempt at a kind of modernish Assassin's Creed like game. I'm curious to hear your thoughts on this because uh, I know a lot of people are mixed when it comes to this game. Um, I'm gonna go back to um what I said previously, and I, I even messaged it to you. If you have ever played a Grand Theft Auto game, you're not going to like this game that much. Because Grand Theft Auto is a lot better at doing what this game tried to do. <laughs> um, this game is... Um, it's, it's, it's good in its own ways. I like the story of it. Um, it has a couple cliches especially near the end um which were not that great story writing um and uh, the shooting the driving and like everything else that's related to uh grand theft auto is just done better in other games mm-hmm. and really subpar when it comes to pairing them considering this game came out after I think, yeah, after Grand Theft Auto Five. Yeah, it was almost a year after that. I I don't know what to say too much else about this. It's uh, if you want to play it, you can. If you want to play it for story, I'm not sure if it connects too much to the uh, the Watch Dogs Two. Um, if it's cheap and you want to play something like this, sure. But it's not going to stand up to other games. You're gonna be disappointed. Doesn't sound like a very um, strong recommendation from you. No, um, especially with the PC port. Oh, it was not very well well done. Um, drops a lot of frames in random places. Um, lots of repetitiveness, which is like with any Ubisoft game, like Assassin's Creed and all that. Like I love Assassin's Creed, but their side missions and stuff are just oh. They have three different types of side missions, 
and that's the only variety you'll have. Oh no! They'll have, and 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 it's like it's this same side mission, but it's over here on the map. Oh boy! That's that's all that's different. At Ubisoft does it a lot. I know a lot of open world RPG type games do this, but it's just way too repetitive when it comes to this game. <laughs> right. That's uh, that's unfortunate here. Yeah, because this was supposed to be like one of the big games to usher in the next generation of consoles, and then it kind of just kind of fell flat in its face when it uh, when it released. Um, yeah. I remember I tried uh, to play it maybe over a year ago, maybe two years from ago, but um, I only managed to get about two hours into the game when I was just, I just had to put it down. It was not gripping me. It was not interesting. And like you said, some of the mechanics in it, like the shooting and the driving, were just done better in other games. Um, another game I did play. Um, yeah, so... So, so those are some of the games that you uh, went through there, Michael. But um, let's talk about um, what you've been playing, Noah. Because I know um, you you're so bit on a uh, Civilization Six binge. Uh, that's yeah. been that's been uh, holding up very well since release. Uh yeah, it has. Uh, they added their first DLC Civ as uh, Poland. Oh um, okay. They are pretty good. They're a little weird. Um. But I have been playing, I think I'm on my sixth game already. Um, and I just won my first game, my last playthrough, and it was a science victory as China. Congratulations uh, on that. You have assisted w- uh, the Chinese in taking over the world. It was <laughs> awful, because the AIs are very picky in of 6 now. I don't know why, but they're very picky. Uh, you can turn them against you or for you in like one turn with one quick decision and it can really screw you over in the long run mm. um but it it's uh been going pretty well uh they didn't really i don't know if they plan on doing like big expansions like they did with civ 5 where they kind of did the gods and kings the other okay. expansion. Um, have so they? Far, yeah. So far, I feel like it's a pretty solid game if you just want to take a chill pill for three hours. <laughs> a lot of time. Yeah. Now, now you're saying that the uh, the AI is kind of uh, kind of weird. Have was that how was it launched? I can't remember. Did did they do anything to change it since then, or is it still kind of how it was? Uh, they did have a big patch around December where they fixed a lot of the imbalances in the game but I don't think they really touched too much on the AI um, they balanced some things with districts and sharing resources between cities to make it a little more fair and some civs had some pretty weird loopholes for unit production and stuff that they fixed Right. Uh, but other than that it's, it's a pretty solid point of the game where I think they're ready to add more mechanics into it, like they did. Five. Okay. Have they given uh, any estimate on when that big expansion could potentially be coming, or is it? I don't think unknown? they've hinted at anything, other than just releasing more individual civs and scenario packs. Okay. Civilization, one hell of a game. Just a 
sit back and relax with your your buddies with. Yeah. Not really. It's not really yeah. anything. Like it's like a. I mean, I guess a similar experience would be if you were having like a big uh, board game with your buddies, like a Settlers of Catan kind of thing. But it's like a right. digital space, so it's a lot easier, a lot more accessible in that way. For people who need help with the immersion end of board games, this helps out a lot. Right. That's a great series. Um. So yeah, Michael. Um. I think uh, didn't you start playing uh, the soccer games? Oh yeah, I uh, I was watching Co Carnage. Um, okay, yeah. Not heard heard of him. He's an awesome streamer on Twitch. Um, the Stalker series. I started playing the first one. Um, what what what, what are the you, soccer games like? What if I had no idea what soccer was? It's a Ukrainian series i'm pretty sure it's ukrainian um and they uh it, it's post-apocalyptic after chernobyl actually okay um so it's after chernobyl like blew up and all that they're saying that people um called stalkers um would go back into the zone um name for it but let's just call it the zone um around chernobyl that was still like radiated and to find certain radiated artifacts and stuff that they could sell outside of the zone for a ton of money Mm -hmm. that's where this game takes place you are in the zone and you are a stalker and in the first one the story's a bit um confusing when you first start out um you're just you wake up after like an explosion and you're supposed to find and kill this one stalker um and the game just sort of gets you in um from there and it's it's post-apocalyptic so there are actual like places where it's radiated but also this radiation is causing creatures to mutate and people to mutate and like there's rabid dogs but then there's also like mutated bigger dogs and there's actually like a ton of different enemies with different and each of them like have different some of them even have like abilities to like almost uh telekinetic powers and that's right yeah it it just gets crazy from there it's like a mix between fallout and a horror game almost yeah the game can actually um, get kind of scary sometimes especially when um this is not really a spoiler but like there are some parts of the game later on where you start going into really claustrophobic basement kind of areas and you're down yeah. there and there's like mutants crawling around the base in the basements of these places that gets really intense especially since the game's difficulty i say is above average it's actually pretty hard um, yeah you have to manage uh like food energy water as well as a uh, non-regenerating health uh the fact that your gun can degrade in quality and actually jam bullets are pretty scarce and they're pretty expensive to stock up on so yeah like a big chunk of the game is quite like a resource management but if you're able to get immersed into the world of stalker they're actually some of the most incredible games i've ever played they they definitely look that way like um graphics wise they aren't the amazing but they were made in the early 2000s uh well no the latest one was made in 2010 I think yeah, I think so. I want to say the first one was like twenty two thousand seven. 
I'll look it up Something while you. Like I'll, I'll look it up while you, uh, you say anything else. Um, this, uh, it's the system of uh, like inventory and stuff is is really unique to towards these series of games, and is actually really cool the way they did it, and the way uh, I, I can't I can't really compare it to too many other games that do it with the way these AI work that um like people that do missions like can actually like get killed and then you're screwed you can't finish <laughs> that mission ever and uh the npcs in this work uh basically on their own they will go do things without you and they will, can die if you don't help or and they can even die if you don't help and you don't know you're supposed to help um yeah like if they can get into like a random turf war of another faction somewhere else in the world even if you're like on the complete opposite side, it'll still happen, and you'll just show back up, and quest givers Everyone's will be dead. dead. It's like, oh, yeah. okay, that happened. Yeah, the difficulty in this is uh, very unique to itself. Um, I know if you've heard of Metro, which is a bit more popular than Stalker, the Metro games um, are. I think they lightly inspire the Stalker games. I know the Metro games are based off of um, a book series, um, but I, I've heard that the Stalker games take some like inspiration from the Metro games. And wouldn't it be the other way to, around? I think the Metro games came after Stalker. They well, I mean the books. Well, made the books. I don't. I don't remember when the books came out. Um, and before we uh, move on, I do want to mention that the first Stalker game came out in two thousand seven. And the third one, the last one, came out in 2009. And there is a chance for a new one. They've been talking about it. Some, I like, only small whispers, so. Yeah, apparently the, the developers that own the IP at the moment still want to make a game. They just don't know if they're going to be able to or not, so. But yeah, because uh, I remember, um, oh, what was it? Like maybe three years ago or so? There was actually um, work being done on like a MMO styled stalker game. I heard about that. Yeah, uh, I don't remember whatever ended up the project. I think th- it was going under the working pro- name of uh, Servorium or something like that. I, of- I think I heard Co talking about it. Yeah, like it was a bit of a rocky development, and then the rights to the IP started getting shifted around. So, like, I don't know what the actual resolve that was. But all I know is I think Servorium. Or whatever that was called, it ended up getting canned. But I think some of the work on that was being recycled for a different project. But I don't, I don't know what that project is at the moment. It's kind of, it's kind of weird to yeah, care because you're dealing with, um, they're not a big developer. They're a smaller company, so they're not always. It's not always easy to get information about what's going on there. Yeah, but a um, super cool series. Like if you like the Ukrainian kind of setting with mutated monsters and a very survivally kind of first person shooter experience i would recommend checking out any one of the three stalker games um probably start with shadow of chernobyl since that was the first one released but uh call of a pripyat is also very good as well i'd recommend those two at the very least yeah it i I really think that um, people who like the metro games will like this game um especially if you like the Metro games and you like Fallout. It's not too much like Fallout. I don't want to put too much weight on that. Um, More shooter, less RPG. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's 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 more of a, sh- a shooter and more of um. The only reason why I say it's like Fallout is because it is post-apocalyptic, but it is also um. Uh, like very open world, very do whatever you want to do. You don't have to follow the missions, but you probably should, and you can. Um. Very, I, I I definitely recommend it. I had not, I'd never heard of it before. Uh, <laughs> I had watched Co play it, but I definitely recommend it now. Only downside is uh, they're uh, PC exclusive, but you should be able to find them pretty cheapest. I think I got the whole trilogy for like five dollars a couple years ago, but you could probably find them for as cheaper, if not cheaper, though. Like the whole trilogy for five dollars. So yeah, I think hell of a especially deal. during. During sales, they'll probably be that cheap. It's a good value for your money right there, folks. Um, I didn't get to play too many games since uh, the last time we did a show, but I'll just go over some of them briefly. Um, I did end up playing the Telltale Batman game from uh, all five episodes of that. Uh, yeah. It doesn't really deviate too far from the standard Telltale formula. Um, like, if you're familiar with... The Walking Dead games or any one of their other games, it plays almost identically to one of those. Um, but one thing I do really appreciate as as a Batman fan, uh, what they did with the the setting was pretty cool. Like it starts off very familiar. You're like, okay, I know who these people are. I recognize Bruce Wayne and Batman. I recognize uh, Falcone and all these gangsters. Like I recognize these characters and they're acting kind of how you would expect them to. But then by the time episode two comes around, they start flipping roles for characters and they start acting differently and it actually kind of throws you off. Because then all of a sudden, like even if you're a huge Batman fan and you read all the comics, you're just like, okay, wait, what's going on here? I don't know what to expect anymore. Uh, like They have the Penguin in here, but he's not the kind of short, pudgy kind of character you usually expect him to be. Instead, he's more of like a sophisticated businessman. He's not like an underground gun dealing criminal. Not corrupted yet. Not quite. Like he's more reminiscent reminiscent to the the penguin from the Gotham TV series, but like an older version of it. So it's kind of strange. Uh, mean Danny DeVito? N- no. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> but yeah, so they just do kind of a uh, cool things there. They even bring back um, some of the characters that don't always make an appearance, but have been in other popular in- interpretations of the character, like uh, Vicky Vale, the reporter, stuff like that. And then they give them uh, actually kind of major roles, so they kind of bring them back in the spotlight. So, like, yeah, if you're a fan of the source material of the Batman characters and the, his uh, carnival of villains, I guess you could say, there's a lot here to enjoy because it's not going to continually repeat tired tropes that you're familiar with. It's going to bring actually a bit of new substance to these characters, so I really appreciate it for that. And if they end up making another batman tells the game i would i'd be there right away to play it maybe day one maybe not but uh, i'd be there to play it i was wondering maybe if they had like people from the dc like writers if they actually like had them on staff there like write more i'm not sure i didn't uh didn't really do any research to see if the writers were uh, Cross working, uh, see uh, if it was just the same or Telltale writers, or if it was a different group there. But now nah, I'm very curious. I'm gonna make a note here and go and do that later. Uh, yeah. In the meantime, uh, another game 
that I managed to try, and this is a, a game that's going to be coming out soon, actually. it's a, I played the Nier Automata demo. It's available on the PlayStation Store there. And it caught me by surprise quite a bit, because I didn't have any expectations going into it. And I, I've never played any of the Nier games. I think I think there's only the one, but Nier Automata really surprised me, just because it comes out the gate... And immediately you're just like, oh, okay, this is what we're doing now. Because you're like a like a cyborg lady. And you have like this little robot that flies around with you. So it starts off as like this shooter kind of hack and slash game. Like imagine if you were playing God of War, but you had a little companion there that would shoot f- with you. Depending on where you're looking. So you go through the like arenas and little mini platforming sections where you're just kind of like playing this. Uh, and then by the time you get to the end of the demo, it kind of switches gears and turns into this like mech fighter kind of f- f- semi flying simulator game. It's really, really strange. But even throughout the demo, like there's times where it will actually completely change genres on you in the middle of the game, almost seamlessly. Um, as far as the story goes, I don't really know how much of this is going to carry over to the full game or like where in the near timeline this is going on but it seems mildly interesting enough where there's a some sort of company that's building all of these ginormous robots that are going to be used for some sort of nefarious deeds so you have to destroy them all but uh like if you're looking for a kind of god of war hack and slash game or like a something very platinum games-esque Nier Automata is definitely very well polished and it definitely will scratch that itch. And I do believe it's coming out sometime in March. So that's a game to keep an eye on if that's uh, your cup of tea. I'll probably end up eventually picking it up when it goes on sale, whenever that may be, because it was actually quite a lot of fun in the hour or so I spent playing the demo. I mean, it sounds like um, a game that I would probably pick up or at least try um yeah if the, de- if the demo is still on playstation store i would recommend trying it out or at least watching like a like a, a youtube video of it because i'm sure you could probably find it somewhere i'm a lot of people are probably playing it but yeah it was, yeah. It, was it was entertaining i had a it really surprised me uh, promising start to 2017 there um as far as some other games i think uh, we We've, we actually played quite a bit of uh, multiplayer games since the last time we did an episode. Uh, I think the one we've probably spent the most time on was actually uh, kind of us having a resurgence of uh, Rainbow Six Siege. Um, do you guys want to have anything you want to add on about Rainbow Six Siege? Like the way the game is shaping up right now, the recent changes to the seasons, anything like that? Oh, yep. <laughs> My mic was muted on accident. That happens. Uh, <clears throat> I said Chonka was back, baby, and Chonka felt really is awkward because my mic wasn't on. That <laughs> your guys were just like, um, we have no words for Chonka. Chonka, yeah, Chonka. <clears throat> year itself. two just just started. I think just this past month or so. Did year two begin with the release of the Japanese operators or was that? No, I after? think they were considered year one still. Okay. 
They're the last bit. And then the first bit of year two will be the Spanish operators who will be released on the next month next or month. this month, depending. Sometime this no, month? It's okay. not yet. Okay. But um, <clears throat> it's shaping up pretty well. Uh, apart from getting in, into a party with you guys, multiplayer has been pretty smooth. Occasional rubber banding, but not too much. Well, yeah, and I think that's partially due to it. Um, we were playing about the same time as the For Honor beta was out. So. Uh, yeah, you play is kind of a pain to work with sometimes. Like one every three games, I'd get rubber banding issues, and that was about it. Um, yeah. it, it felt solid, and I feel like it's just getting ready for another year of awesomeness. Yeah, the uh, they've been teasing the new operators. So, like I think, like you said, they're coming out sometime later this month, maybe. But um, the new operators seem really cool. Uh, I'm not 100 sure how they work yet, but it looks like there's a uh, one character that can actually like track footsteps of people that have wandered through an area recently. So that's going to bring a cool dynamic to the the back and forth between the offensive and defensive teams. Look forward to seeing how that shapes up. Um, and Mira was actually just. "Quote unquote" on the on on the Reddit and is something that she puts on a wall and it makes a hole. If it puts glass in there, I don't know. And if it, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, but, they haven't officially revealed her abilities yet, have they? Not, no. not yet. Okay. It's, it's kind they of haven't even officially addressed jackals, which is the other guys. They just did the little 30-second teaser that everybody made 20-minute videos on. <laughs> hey, you got to make that YouTube ad revenue, okay? <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, the future of Rainbow Six Siege is still looking quite bright, in my opinion. Um, I know, was it this month or is it next month? They have the uh, eSports Invitational event or whatever that is. Com I believe it's this weekend, isn't it? This weekend? Oh, okay, that would make sense because they're also having a free weekend for the game. So if you have not played Rainbow Six Siege yet, I believe you can actually download the, a free version of it and start playing right away. But for the, just for just for the just for the week just for the weekend is February third to the fifth. Okay. Yeah. So uh, this weekend, yeah. If you have not tried Rainbow Six Siege yet. But you're you like kind of tactical shooters, you like uh, destructible environments. I would highly recommend giving Rainbow Six Siege a chance. It may surprise you. Like I think I think we all were kind of surprised that Rainbow Six Siege ended up being really good. Did did anyone have like really high expectations for this game before it came out? I um, initially thought I, it was a, like a generic shooter when it first came out, so I skipped it for a while. Yeah. yeah. I, I I mean this it came out I can't remember if it was before or after Battlefield Hardline. And so we all thought it was just like a copy of that. That's right, I remember that. It was like oh more cops and robbers kind of thing, blah blah blah. It's not really Basically. that at all. I, I still haven't seen the game really replicate the same style that Rainbow Six has. Except maybe the closest is Counter Strike, but the flow is definitely different there. Um, yeah, that's what it'd be probably the closest compared 
It's like the closest, it's, but it's, it's still like not that close. It's like a strategic shooter rather than a Twitch like action. Yeah. So, yeah, so like uh, teaming up with a couple of people there um, using tactical stealth kind of aspects to sink around buildings and blow holes in the walls where people can't see you. Definitely super cool. Um, give out the, the free weekend a try. You may be pleasantly surprised what the game has to offer. Uh, another game that we ended up returning to after a bit of a hiatus was actually H1Z1 King of the Kill. Uh, H1Z1 King of the Kill is the uh, more arcadey, actiony side of the H1Z1 package, whereas uh, the other one, Just Survive, is the like slower zombie-themed version of that. Um, but for those that are familiar with H1Z1, they basically split off the battle royale game mode into its own separate game called king of the kill and quite a bit has changed since the last time i i think any of us have played it actually uh what what are you guys thoughts on how the king of the kill has shaped up in its early access state still uh it yeah they uh they have improved uh which was surprising because i thought they were only going to do like you know basically things in this game to make more money. Um, well... But they, actually, they did. They actually did both. Um, uh, unfortunately, they divided about their time about half and half. Um, they, they, there's now a new map, which is actually a lot better as, um, compared to the old one. Mm-hmm. The shooting, whole, the whole shooting and aiming system was redone, and it's, it's better than it... It's not perfect, but it's better than it used to be. Um, I know they redid some of the crafting and the looks of things, um, but unfortunately, they spent a lot of time. Um, unfortunately, but not unfortunately at the same time, they did a, spend a lot of time on redoing the whole uh, uh, crate system and um, customization and all that. Um, basically an, a way for them to make money. There's now a lot more customization, but you can on, almost only get it through unlocking crates, and you don't get too many crates that are free and unlocked already. You're going to have to buy keys or buy things to open them, which is now more expensive than it used to be. Um, I'm pretty sure. And, uh... Yeah. I mean, they could have spent more time on developing the game but they did put a lot of customization for that so say there was this very specific item i wanted could i use in-game resources to just get that one item i wanted and nothing else um i am 95 percent sure you can't <laughs> although i have not looked all the way into it i'm pretty sure it's all the random loot boxes I would like to throw it there. I think you I can. Mean, theoretically. I think you can still buy it with real money through the Steam Marketplace, but I don't know if there's a way to just buy what you want specifically in-game with, like, the uh, the scrap. Oh, I, I, I forgot about the Marketplace, that you could do that. Yeah, but I was, I was purposely avoiding the Marketplace, because, well, yeah, if you, if you have enough real-world money, you can just buy whatever you want, of course. <laughs> of course. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. New map. Thumbs Wait, up on uh, the map. Slightly better hit scan. Uh, still funky. I don't know if it's like a POV thing or what it is. It just feels off a little bit. It's definitely better as far as shooting goes. 
Not um, not great though. What I'd really like to see is a little bit more variety in the items in the game. Because we've I think we've played it for two years almost. Yeah, I think it first came out in like twenty fourteen or something like that. It's almost now and there's the same four oh. guns. In Yeah, I don't like I hunting don't... rifle. I don't know. M4. <laughs> it's the same guns than when the game first came out. So I like I don't know if they're planning on adding any other weapons to the game, or they're just going to focus on cosmetic loot items from now on. Because uh, I mean, be really unfortunate if they did. But it seems like knows? a relatively good business strategy, but I don't know if it's going to lead to a successful early access release of the game. I mean, it's been an alpha status for two years now and sure it's improved but i still wouldn't really say it's up to what it should be after over two years of development yeah. time the yeah. the split happened just about a year ago a year ago like half, halfway through next month so the split between the two that's when they really started pay, like paying attention to it i guess that's uh, probably a good thing um, that probably slowed down the cycles a lot too. Maybe, yeah. Because I will say though, that like even when the game first released, the the survival aspect of the game was quite subpar. Like even compared to like Daisy, for example, there it was not really as fleshed out as Daisy, or it was not as even appealing as maybe Daisy could have been. That's still a pretty bad game as well. But uh, I'm kind of happy that they decided to split off King of the Kill and started focusing on that a bit. Because that at least stands out to me more than the survival mode does. At least compared to the horde of other games that are available on the Steam Marketplace for about the same price and are about the same quality. Yeah. Um, just to confirm, you actually cannot buy um, specific things on the market. Um, oh, you can't do that anymore? Nope, you can only buy crates, which are only a couple cents each, but obviously they're locked. So... But you, yeah, you still got to spend like what two fifty to get the official keys from the store. About two fifty per key. It's it's pretty good business strategy. I'm telling you. I mean, they probably make money from it. <laughs> they probably make a lot of money from that. Uh, but no, fun game, fun game. Um, it's always fun to d- dive in every once in a while. Just uh, it's like the three of us against the world kind of scenario, and it ends up going really horribly wrong sometimes and sometimes it, it turns out okay it's, it's kind of funny <laughs> it, to see how it goes it's definitely fun and then but after you get killed by like bullshit a couple times in a row you're like yeah I'll go let's go play something else want to go play siege <laughs> exactly <laughs> um okay and uh, yeah as far as other surprises go this one kind of came out of nowhere at least in my opinion um little application showed up in our stores on our phone called uh, Pokemon Duel the other day. Almost no PR for it either. I'm pretty invested in the Pokemon world, and I had no idea this was a thing until the day after it came out. I think I saw it on a random Reddit post or something. And I was like, what? And then I clicked on it, and I was like, what? And <laughs> what is this? It. And it was actually just came out that day, and I was like, "What is this?" And I was like, <laughs> "Why did I not hear about this?" So, for those that don't know what Pokemon 
so what, for those that don't know what this is, I think it was like a year or more ago, there was a, like a Japanese Pokemon game that was exclusive over there, and then they just recently now made it like an international thing. Uh, but the game itself is a mobile game where it's like, if you take Pokemon and you mix it with chess and like a card game, like magic or something, that's kind of what this is. It's a really weird mishmash of multiple different like tabletop games with a Pokemon theme. And it's actually pretty good. Like, there's quite a bit of strategy you can actually evolve with the different little figures that you can get. Because um, I think they have, what, maybe half of all the Pokemon that exist in the game already. So they have, like, 350 or so. Yeah, I think it's around 250 or 300, something around there. Maybe 300 or so. Yeah, but like each of these Pokemon figures have different kind of abilities that they can utilize to move around the board or um, put your opponent's figures in a tight spot so that you can knock them off and then work your way towards the opponent's goal. Or uh, you can actually choke out your opponent to win. Like you can block the places on the board where they're allowed to put their pieces and then they can't put any more pieces on the board. Like there's actually quite a bit of depth to this game. A lot more than I actually anticipated from a free-to-play mobile app. Uh, I mean, how, how, have, how have your experiences been with this game the past couple of days or so you've been playing? I like it. Um, it uh, right if you want to just sit down and spend half an hour to an hour, an hour and a half playing a game on your <laughs> phone as it drains your battery. <laughs> it's a trace of it. it. It really drains your battery. Um, but no, it really is a good game. It's like a nice blend between strategy and action and RNG. Um, I will say it is a little bit heavy on the pay-to-win side, right now at least. But um, yeah. they are pretty generous for giving you in-game currency, so you're not too far behind. So far, I think they, um, um, correct me if I'm wrong, but they give you enough gems every day to where you could get at least three booster packs in two days, something like that. Yeah, uh, I think the first week it's only been out for less than a week now, right? Less than a week, and I've been given, I think, on four separate days, like fifty to one hundred and fifty gems per per every other day. That sounds about right. From like, for from like maintenance times and stuff like that, just because they're starting out and they're trying to get people on. But uh, that was enough to get like three or four boosters, which are like the four boosters, and then they had six boosters right at launch. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of sad I never managed to get one of those six boosters because I started a couple of days later. But yeah, if you were uh, if you're able to get in, they have uh, recommended booster packs where you can get like four packs or six packs all at once. And yeah. by buying these bigger bundles, you're guaranteed a certain number of rares which will really boost up the quality of your deck. Just having one or two rares included will help get past that initial hump quite a lot. And while there are good rares and EX cards, you can win without them. Oh, yeah. Um, in fact, even right now, like if you look at tier lists, all the tier lists I've seen still have one or two of the uncommons listed in like the top ten. Yeah. So, like, yeah, you can make competitively viable decks with... Commons and uncommons still. 
having a rare or two to help as like a backbone for your collection certainly helps. But uh, because of how generous you are of the the gems early on, you shouldn't have any issue getting a couple of those pretty quickly. May occasionally run into the few of like six Latios Latios thing. I mean, there's nothing you could do about people that spent like two hundred dollars on the game. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> pretty hard by some people who stack up on EX guys, but Yeah, but if they'll it, probably even out as time goes on. I was so. gonna say if all things even out though, they should get kind of higher on the uh, the rating scale and uh unless they're intentionally losing games, but if they're intentionally throwing games and there's always a chance you get matched against them, they throw the game and you get free points, so it's it kind of evens out. Yeah, I'd say it's worth a download. I don't know how big it is. I was mistaken when I saw it when I was first downloading and thought it said four gigabytes. <laughs> That's a really big exaggeration. Yeah, I don't think it's that big. I have a pretty small storage space, but it hasn't um, hurt my capacity much. It was just telling me I needed a forged connection. Uh, oh, and as uh, as we're talking about this, I think I have a a booster pack that was on a timer available for me to open. So uh, if you have anything else to add, feel free to do that. I'll go ahead and open up my booster here live on the show and see what I get. Well, <laughs> uh, yeah, it is. I want to say it probably is data heavy just because I feel like there's a lot of data. Probably. It takes a while to, uh, takes a while to get into and then uh and then it'll like load um like three different loading bars mm-hmm. yeah it is pretty chunky app because you can tell even i have a moto z force uh pro and it's still um definitely a chunky app to run so I opened up my 24-hour Rainbow Booster Pack. That I got for free just by playing the game, mind you. I just had to put it on a timer and it will unlock over time. Got a Rare Heracross, a Common Rattata, an Uncommon Cyndaquil, uh, a Gold Ingot for like a thousand some gold coins in-game, uh, Rare Metal for crafting my own figure that I may want eventually. So all in all, for something I got for free, not bad. Yeah, um, as far as free applications go, I don't really have too many complaints. It's doesn't feel as invasive or as brutal to play if you're not going to invest any money into it. Uh, I still haven't invested a penny into it, but I haven't had any issues getting started with the uh, the matchmaking and um, get going off to a good start and climbing a couple of ranks right away. Not bragging or anything. It's just it's pretty accessible, so I, I'd recommend checking it out if you guys are into the Pokemon and strategy kind of games. Uh, but I think um, I think that's gonna do it for us for uh, this episode. We're kind of running a little bit late in time here, so we're gonna go ahead and get this wrapped up. Um, next episode we'll be covering events for February. Uh, we have mentioned it; it's gonna be a pretty stacked month as far as new game releases go. I'm personally looking forward a lot to Neo. Uh, I know Michael's probably going to be picking up For Honor. And then I think uh, we're all going to be picking up Halo Wars probably. Halo Wars 2. So oh, yeah. we'll be uh, we'll be talking a bit about those next month, next episode. 
Uh, and of course, any other news that may be happening between now and then. So if you're uh, interested in hearing discussion on those games, uh, come back around to the show once that gets released at the end of February. Uh, consider following here us here at the uh, Podcast Empire Network to get notifications on when the episode goes live. Uh, and uh, I think I think that's uh, all we have to say. If you uh, if you have got anything else you want to add, feel free to do it now. But I don't know though. I think uh, I think it's going to be a wrap. Much covered everything. Um, I if depending on the timing of the next step, I will also be getting Horizon Zero Dawn. Um, but I know that comes at the end of the month. It's yeah, it's pretty late. It's like the last day, but we'll see. Uh, maybe we'll get uh, previews of it going on. We'll see. But yeah, lots of good stuff coming. So um, have a very good. Well, I guess by the time you guys listen to this, it'll be February. So have a nice February, everybody. And we'll talk to you next time. Wake me.